Matthew McConaughey joins the Biden White House to push gun control. The Washington Post implodes over a retweeted joke, makes a total mockery of itself in the process, and California liberals get mugged by reality. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their network data. Join them at expressvpn.com. Slash Ben, we'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, you know, the economy is in real trouble right now. There's the possibility of recession on the way. You want to know an asset that has never been worth zero that you might want to think about diversifying into? That, of course, would be gold. The S&P 500 is having its worst start of the year since World War II. Not only are your savings worthless, you now have less of those savings. Now might be a good time for you to diversify at least a little bit into gold, the most stable asset in the history of mankind. Birch Gold is the company I trust to help you convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold and silver. That's right. Not only will Birch Gold help you fortify your savings with precious metals, they'll help you do it in a tax-sheltered account. Text Ben to 989898 to get started. Amazon stock is down 37% in the first half of the year. So what exactly is your plan? Text Ben to 989898. Get your free no-obligation information can on gold from Birch Gold. They're the precious metals professional. I trust them enough to buy from them. You should go check them out today. Text Ben to 989898. Ask all of your questions. Get all of those questions answered. And then when you feel comfortable, invest at least a little bit of your money in precious metals from Birch Gold. Text Ben to 989898 to get started today. Secure your savings now. Well, this is hilarious news out of my old home state of California. I abandoned California to its own predations just a couple of years ago and moved to a much better state in Florida. But it seems that even in California, where the liberals roam free, even the liberals are occasionally mugged by reality. And that is precisely what happened last night in San Francisco. According to the Daily Wire, San Francisco voters sent shockwaves throughout the political world on Tuesday night, removing woke district attorney Chase Bowden from office, ending his disastrous tenure in office. Bowden could not overcome a coalition of more safety-minded Democrats, Republicans, and independents who are furious over the rampant property crimes, open drug use, persistent retail theft, and skyrocketing number of certain crimes. Voters strongly endorsed ousting the reform-minded DA as partial returns showed about 60% of voters supporting the recall, according to the Wall Street Journal. Since Bowden took office in January 2020, burglaries are up 45%. Homicides are up 37%. Bowden was backed by George Soros, of course, who's backed far-left prosecutors all over America. And Bowden claimed that the embarrassing defeat was a victory, saying, quote, we have already won because we've redefined the way people think about the role of the district attorney's office. Well, you certainly did that because it turns out that when you redefine prosecutor to mean just let people do whatever they want to do, criminally speaking, people don't like that. Even in San Francisco, the only people, if you look at the precinct by precinct breakdown in San Francisco, the only places that voted in favor of retaining Chase Bowden, who again is the woke district attorney who basically decided not to prosecute any crime at all, particularly when it came to things like homelessness or when it came to robbing retail establishments, which all bled up into higher level crimes. You had feces on every street corner and heroin needles in every park and people basically just walking into the local CVS, ripping open the razor cabinet and pulling everything off the shelves into bags and just walking right out. Because of Chase Bowden, pretty much the only places in San Francisco that voted in favor of retaining Chase Bowden were white, woke, liberal precincts. That's it. Every other place, minority precincts, black, Hispanic, Asian, everybody hates this guy and they wanted him gone, which suggests that the Democratic Party is in a world of hurt because they have always counted on the San Francisco coalition going national. Their idea for 2022 and beyond has been white woke liberals combined with minority voters will boost us to victory. And it turns out that minorities are much more in touch with reality than apparently the privileged white woke liberals in San Francisco. The true white privilege lives in San Francisco, where a disproportionate number of white liberals are living absurd heights of privilege in 
downtown skyscrapers while the rest of the city struggles to get by. Rent is utterly unaffordable. The crime is relegated to specific neighborhoods. It is more prominent in specific neighborhoods that the white woke liberals who back Chase Bowden never have to set foot in. So the ouster of Chase Bowden is obviously good news for the state of California. It's good news for San Francisco. That wasn't the only piece of interesting news out of California. Although I, I have to say, the, the media's response to the ouster of Chase Bowden, the left-wing media's cries to the heaven, it, it's really, really funny. Really funny. Like there's a piece from New York Magazine by a person named Ross Barkin called The Limits of San Francisco Liberalism. If Chase Bowden is recalled, it will, because his, it will be because his city has never been its left-wing caricature. So that's what? <laughs> so the idea that you're now getting from left-wing media is that the reason that Chase Bowden is no longer going to be the DA over in San Francisco is not because liberals got mugged by reality. It's because San Francisco was never that liberal to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pro- probably that's it. Meanwhile, are they going to say the same thing about Los Angeles? Apparently, in the mayoral race, there is a runoff that is now going to happen between billionaire developer Rick Caruso and Representative Karen Bass. Karen Bass, of course, is a longtime Democratic congresswoman from the area. She was considered as a possible VP pick for Joe Biden, although she was kind of one of the less known candidates. She's a black female, so that immediately put her in the top tier for Joe Biden, who wanted a black female vice presidential candidate. She's done nothing really of note as a congressperson in in Los Angeles, other than continue to pander to her left-wing constituency. Rick Caruso, by contrast, actually built the Grove, which is one of the major shopping centers in Los Angeles, a place that's, it's a great place to go. Again, I'm, I'm from LA. And the, the, the Grove was the place that you would go on a Saturday night with your spouse and, and you'd walk around. They had a lot of beautiful shops. It was, it was kind of this wonderful place. And then it just got ransacked during the looting and rioting in the aftermath of George Floyd's death. It got ransacked a couple of times. The, the police kiosk there was set on fire. And Rick Caruso decided, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm going to run for mayor of LA. And it seemed like a long shot candidacy. Well, now the election results last night actually had Caruso winning more votes than Karen Bass. About 42% of the vote, Karen Bass won about 37% of the vote. They go to a runoff now because you have to win 50% of the vote in order to become mayor of Los Angeles. But Caruso is a moderate. He has contributed to Republicans in the past. He is certainly not a far left Democrat who's in favor of homelessness, drug use, and burning down major areas of the city ranging from Melrose Boulevard to the Grove itself. According to Fox News, the candidates appear on the same ballot. The top two winners move on to the general election. Caruso won 42% of the vote to Bass's 39 at the time the AP called the race. Caruso is a pro-business billionaire developer who's running a law and order type campaign. A former Republican who became a Democrat just before launching his mayoral bid, Caruso dished out tens of millions of his own money to finance his campaign and flood LA with ads that spotlight his pledges for quick action to stem what he calls a city in decay. Bass is backed by the entire Democratic establishment, ranging from Nancy Pelosi to Cory Booker of New Jersey and James Clyburn in South Carolina, as well as the Hollywood contingent, Steven Spielberg and J.J. Abrams and Jennifer Garner. Caruso was endorsed by Elon Musk. He has some backing in the entertainment world, including Kim Kardashian and Snoop Dogg. The Democrats, of course, are pushing back against Caruso, suggesting that he is a closeted Republican. We can never have a closeted Republican in the city of Los Angeles, even to restore some form of order. But the fact that Caruso performed this well, you know, again, I think that he is the he is the underdog in this race for mayor. With that said, his performance is is definitely a bright spot for people who are still interested in some sort of semblance of sanity in California. It turns out that the left can push too far. And when the left pushes too far, reality smacks them direct in the face. It's a bad bellwether for Democrats come 2022 because the Democrats, again, nationally have embraced a far left program and they've been unable to control 
any aspect of that program and implementation. So if California is any sort of leading indicator, a bleeding edge indicator, it's a bad night for progressives. And that is going to continue throughout the year. If all of this California stuff is making you feel a little bit more comfortable than you were just yesterday, let me recommend a way for you to be even more comfortable than that. I'm talking about all form sofas. So here's the thing. Helix, I've talked about them an awful lot. They make you personalized mattresses. Well, now they've started a new company. It's called Allform. They're already making the best sofas in the game. So what makes an all-form sofa really cool? Well, for starters, it's the easiest way you can customize a sofa using premium materials at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. You can pick your fabric, sofa color, the color of the leg, sofa size and shape. Make sure it's perfect for you and your home. They've got armchairs and love seats all the way up to an eight-seat sectional, so there is something for everyone. All-form sofas are also delivered directly to your door. They have a simple, quick assembly. No tools are necessary. We love our all-form sofa. In fact, I loved my all-form sofa so much, I got one for my parents. I got one for my sister. They're just that good. To find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash Ben. Allform is currently offering 20% off all orders for our listeners at allform.com slash Ben. If getting a sofa without trying it in store sounds a little bit risky, you don't need to worry. You get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it, which is more than three months. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. This is never going to happen because the Allform sofas are just great. They look great. They're extremely durable, which makes a big difference to me since my kids wreck everything. Check out Allform today, allform.com slash Ben. That's allform.com slash Ben to get 20% off. Meanwhile, the progressives, one of the progressives' favorite media outlets is the Washington Post, and it is fun to watch the wokes just burn down the Washington Post. There are all these mainstream liberal institutions, and this may be the story of liberalism in our time, is how mainstream liberalism was overtaken by progressives who just beat people's heads against curbs. It's, it's an amazing thing. The mainstream Democratic Party used to be in favor of things like preventing crime. You'll remember that Joe Biden was a signatory to the crime bill of 1994 that helped lower crime rates across the nation. You remember the Democratic Party used to be the party of safe, legal, and rare when it came to abortion. You'll remember that the Democratic Party used to actually cut capital gains taxes when they lost elections. Right? This happened under Bill Clinton. Now the Democratic Party has been completely hijacked by its progressive base, and they have no comeback to the intersectional coalition because the Democratic Party for so long built itself on the idea that its opponents were racist, sexist, bigot, homophobes, that when those charges are hurled against the institutions of Democrats themselves. When those charges are hurled against liberal institutions, they have no defense mechanism. They have no immune system. And this is precisely what is happening right now at the Washington Post. So the Washington Post has a couple of problems. One is that they employ really bad journalists. And the other problem at the Washington Post is that they have let the wokes take over. And these problems are not unrelated. So the, the latest controversy to roil the Washington Post is a controversy surrounding a retweet by Dave Weigel. Now, Dave Weigel is a guy who is very much of the left. He used to write for Slate.com. He is a person who likes to tweet all sorts of progressive memes all about how like Benghazi was not a big deal or how cancel culture is not really a thing. Well, there's always a great irony and, and a bit of sick enjoyment on my part when people who propose the cancel culture is not a thing then get canceled by the progressive left. So the, the apparently deep evil that Dave Weigel performed over at the Washington Post is he retweeted a joke. And it was a bad joke. It's kind of a stupid joke about how all girls are, are bi, either bipolar or bisexual, which is a dumb joke, especially because, again, why not both or why not? Need, like, it's just, it, it doesn't make any sense as a joke, but Dave Waggle found it funny and so he retweeted it. Okay, not my taste in jokes, but is that the end of the world? Apparently it is the end of the world because Felicia Sanmez, who has an outstanding lawsuit against the Washington Post for discrimination that was basically thrown out of court, she immediately jumped on this and retweeted it him and then basically called for him to be suspended or fired. And now she has gone on this crusade to rid the Washington Post of all the sexist, racist, bigots, and homophobes. And really what she's doing, what it seems like Felicia Sanmez is doing, is she's begging to be fired so she can then claim retaliatory harassment. 
and then she can sue the Washington Post. So we now have an HR game of chicken over at the Washington Post over intersectional wokeness. And I am here for it, man. I am enjoying every aspect of this. Number one, because when you let your HR department completely run your company, you don't have a company anymore. Number two, when you have one bad apple who decides that they are going to basically turn the principles of diversity, equity, and inclusion against the institutions that supposedly promote them, I, it's, it's, it's really enjoyable. It's great to watch. It's again, in the same way that you get a certain sick pleasure from watching San Francisco embrace and then have to run away from Chase Bowden, you get a certain sick pleasure from watching the Washington Post destroy itself. The Washington Post slogan, democracy dies in darkness. Felicia Sondland just kind of walked in and turned off the light. It's really, really funny. So the Washington Post having a lot of HR problems. Well, here's the thing. If you think about that and you think, wait, maybe I have HR problems, you should access our friends over at Bambi. Small business owners, I've got some questions for you. Have you ever had employee performance issues? Are you confused about what employee documents you need to store? Are you worried about someone suing you? Perhaps you need to check out Bambi. The bad news is one complaint against your company can turn your world upside down. The good news is Bambi helps small business owners implement good HR practices. Bambi is an HR platform built for businesses like yours, so you can automate the most important HR practices and get your own dedicated HR manager. An in-house HR manager can cost up to $80,000 a year, but with Bambi, your dedicated HR manager starts at just $99 a month. No hidden fees, cancel anytime. Bambi's HR autopilot automates your core policies, workplace training, and employee feedback. Then your dedicated HR manager will help you navigate the more complex parts of HR and guide you to compliance. Available by phone, email, or real-time chat. Simple fact of the matter is you need HR. If the Washington Post does, you certainly do. Go to Bambi.com slash Shapiro right now for your free HR audit. You run your business, let Bambi run your HR. It's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash Shapiro, Bambi.com slash Shapiro. Once more, if you need HR help, contact our friends over at Bambi, Bambi.com slash Shapiro. So, Here's what happened recently. So Felicia Sanmez put out a massive long thread about how terrible the Washington Post is. She put out this, this long thread in which she cites Stephen Jay and Loria Montgomery, the post-national and deputy national directors as of early 2020, a, an, an internal report with response to newsroom ride outrage over a suspension that she experienced in early 2020. There are recommendations for social media use on the national desk. She said, the report spearheaded by now national editor Mattia Gold was based on interviews with more than 50 of my talented colleagues on the Washington Post national desk. It was the result of weeks of hard work by nine of my colleagues. I was among those interviewed for the report. Among its findings, reporters use social media as an outlet when they feel their voices and heard in the newsroom. We were surprised by how defensive they were of the content that made many women in the newsroom uncomfortable. One colleague said of the leadership's response to staff concerns, the lesson many of the reporters took away from that was that it was going to was that ma- going to management is a dead issue and she says nothing has changed since 2020 nothing has changed she says that things are really really bad over at the washington post as felicia sanmez so the washington post leadership responded by sending a memo to staff and here's what the memo said it's from sally busby dear colleagues in this newsroom we share many important common values a belief in the power of journalism hatred of racist or sexist behavior language or systems a conviction that when people come together in good faith, with respect and trust, it creates an environment that enables each person to do powerful and important work. So already, you're, you're on the wrong track here. So first of all, she is essentially admitting that the entire newsroom is built around Ibram X. Kendi principles, which is hatred of racist or sexist behavior, language or systems. So she's not so much worried about intent. She's not so much worried about behavior. Anything that has a possible racist or sexist outcome is against the principles of the Washington Post by which she means any any inequality is inequity. Then she says, we also occasionally disagree. We come from different backgrounds and experiences. We each see the world differently. That combination of shared values and diversity of viewpoints is our greatest strength. 
As you will see, diversity of viewpoint not big at the Washington Post. Today, in the strongest of terms, I want to reiterate the importance of the following policies which we will enforce. We do not tolerate colleagues attacking colleagues, either face-to-face -face or online. Respect for others is critical to any civil society, including our newsroom. The newsroom social media policy points specifically to the need for collegiality. We also do not tolerate violations of our policy prohibiting workplace harassment and our policy on prohibit prohibition of discrimination, which further set forth our expectations for employees and are designed to create an inclusive environment where all post-employees can perform their best work. And so Felicia Sonmes has spent like the last several days attacking her post colleagues. They're not doing anything about it because what they are afraid of is that she's going to hit them with the second of those principles, right? The, pol the policy prohibiting workplace harassment. They're afraid that if they punish her for harassing her own colleagues, then she's going to sue them for harassment, which is really funny. In the last year, says Sally Busby, we have enforced through conversations, mediation, and disciplinary measures, egregious violations of our social media policy, just as we have enforced our overall standards. As we have said, we plan to update the social media policy. Until then, the current policy remains in effect. It states, when it comes to your, when it comes to your colleagues, be constructive and collegial. If you have a question or concern about something that has been published, speak to your colleague directly. We respect and do not wish to inhibit any employee's right to raise legitimate workplace issues. We know it takes bravery to call out problems. We pledge to openly and honestly address problems brought to us. We moved quickly to show our intolerance for a sexist retweet sent by an employee last Friday. To be clear, we will enforce our policies and standards. I am proud of each of you and your work. My best, Sally. Okay, so this is what she sends. Now, does she mean any of this? Of course not, because Felicia Sanmez has an outstanding lawsuit. So she doesn't mean that Felicia Sanmez should be cordial to her colleagues or anything remotely like that. She just means that everybody should basically do what Felicia Sanmez says. So the entire, you say that, that letter talks about diversity of viewpoint inside the Washington Post. Remember, this is your great objective journalisming outlet. And these are the people who must have their work promoted. According to Dan Pfeiffer, the former Obama official who recently appeared on MSNBC to declare that Daily Wire should essentially be shut down. And a co-host of Positive America, by the way, this does show you the radical imbalance between the perspectives on the right and the perspective on the left. I've told you, I've said on this show multiple times, probably at least once a month for the past several years, if you want to get a full range of opinion, listen to this show and then listen to Positive America. Meanwhile, the co-host of Positive America is calling for The Daily Wire and shows like this one to essentially be shut down by social media, which demonstrates the, the wild imbalance. Anyway, people like Dan Pfeiffer say that The Washington Post ought to be given broader purchase. It's really important because they're just such great journalismers. Well, they're such great journalismers that in the aftermath of Sally Busby sending this stern warning to Post employees, they all started sending what, what appear to be hostage videos to translate it into text. And it looks like soldiers with a gun to their head in Vietnam now blinking out messages. It's, it's insane. So here are just some of the messages. And remember, this is from the diversity of viewpoint, free speech, free press. We have a we have tolerance for each other's opinions. Washington Post. Here, I'm, I'm going to read these to you straight because I think you don't get the effect of just how, how down the line and echo chamber the Washington Post is unless I read these to you consecutively. So you got Michael Scherer. He writes, quote, I know the Washington Post has a remarkably collaborative newsroom filled with journalists and editors who may stumble at times, myself included, but are always working toward being better. I'm proud to work here. Okay. Nick Miroff writes, the collaborative newsroom culture built by the Graham family has survived plenty of tests and trials, and it'll survive Twitter. Thank you, Sally Busby, for making clear we're all in this together. I'm deeply proud to be a part of the Washington Post. Matt Visor then writes, The Washington Post is a place of shared bylines and collaborative projects. It's a newsroom of different perspectives and various op varied opinions. It isn't perfect, but it is filled with great people doing great journalism. And I'm proud to work here. Oh, it doesn't end. Josh Dowsey. 
Another reporter for the Washington Post, no institution is perfect, including the Post, but the place is filled with many terrific people who are smart and collegial. I'm proud to work here. <laughs> Dan Bells, collegiality and collaboration long have been hallmarks of the Post culture. It is filled with good and talented people who take their work seriously and who also enjoy each other's company. We make mistakes and try to learn from them. I felt proud and lucky to be here. Ashley Parker tweeted, the Post is not perfect. No institution is, but I'm proud to work here. I love coming to work almost every single day, knowing my colleagues are collegial, collaborative, and fun humans, not to mention talented journalists who are always striving to do better. Well, I mean, if the message goes out for management and you parrot it that closely, uh, I'm going to go with this echo check. Like, again, so what exactly, you know what this says about the Washington Post? It says that it's such an unbelievably rich echo chamber. I mean, on the order of the Manchurian candidate echo chamber, like propagandistic beliefs being drilled into people's heads that they repeat them, like, verbatim. If you've never seen the original Manchurian Candidate, the, there's there's this famous sequence where all of these soldiers who have been kidnapped and sent to Manchuria for, for brainwashing, they come back and there's a, a soldier among them who's been essentially created as a plant to kill a presidential candidate. And they are all testifying on behalf of this guy, Raymond Shaw. And they, so they all say, Raymond Shaw is the kindest, gentlest, most wonderful, warmest human being I've ever met in my life. And they all say it consecutively. That's the Washington Post now. And it's really funny. But you know what this has to say? What this says is, that when it comes to the Washington Post, its management, its processes, there is no actual process of weeding out bad apples at all. The only people who are likely to be punished are the people who end up being yelled at on Twitter, and then the Post responds. And the way you can tell this is because their actual journalistic standards have declined markedly. The most obvious example being the execrable Taylor Lorenz, the worst reporter in America. She used to work for the New York Times, where she harassed people. Then she moved to the Washington Post, where she harasses, where she harasses people. And her journalism just stinks. According to the Washington Examiner, Stephen Miller writing for them, the Washington Post has found itself embroiled in several dramas involving several of its reporters. Personal grievances spilled over onto Twitter and then some, resulting in the suspension of Dave Weigel for his retweet of an off-color joke. Still, the drama spurred by the Post's Felicia Sanmez and her own grievances have overshadowed yet more questionable reporting by technology reporter Taylor Lorenz. The Post was forced to issue multiple corrections to a story written by Lorenz and engaged in some questionable self-edits. These centered on a published claim that Lorenz had reached out to two subjects of her story. The subjects are YouTube influencers whom she labeled pro-Johnny Depp on the heels of the much-publicized defamation trial between Depp and ex-wife Amber Heard. Journalists like Lorenz had tried to use the trial to wedge in the topic of harassment and abuse and the Me Too movement. As it turns out, Lorenz did not attempt to gain a comment or response, despite the Post's original story claiming the opposite. Two YouTubers, Legal Bites host Alight Mazeka and an anonymous user named That Umbrella Guy, claimed at no point did Lorenz or any other reporter from the Post reach out for comment. That umbrella guy posted an email from Lorenz on his Twitter feed in which Lorenz asked for comment after the story was published, contradicting the story. Lorenz blames her editor for what she calls a miscommunication, and she lashed out at the CNN media reporter Oliver Darcy as well. So here is what happened. Lorenz published she'd reached out for comments. She had not. She then reached out for comments. The post had, the post had to issue multiple corrections and self-edit the story. Were there any consequences for Taylor Lorenz? Of course not, because the people they stand behind are the worst. Those are the worst people. And this is the media that you are supposed to trust. These are the people you are supposed to trust as your objective media journalismers. Meanwhile, shutting down alternative sources of information. Well, the polls look terrible for Democrats coming up. They've decided to bring in white boy Rick to somehow save the day. We'll get to that in a moment. If you're looking to upgrade what you're doing, I mean, the White House right now, they're looking to upgrade from Joe Biden to Matthew McConaughey. If you're looking to upgrade, you need blinds.com. So you want to make your house look as beautiful as it can be. And right now, the light's just not coming into your house the way that it should. And one thing people don't think about when they're looking to make their house look just top-notch 
is the blind. It's the window coverings. This is why you need blinds.com. You can handle the measure and install yourself, or you can have blinds.com take care of it with local pros. We've used blinds.com ourselves. It's really easy, and it has really beautified our home. There's no showroom, no retail markups, no matter how many you order. Installation is just one low cost. Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window coverings with over 40,000 five-star reviews. There is no stress when you shop on blinds.com because everything they sell is covered by their perfect fit and 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you need help with design, because, I mean, who doesn't? Blinds.com's experts are always available to help choose the style and color that is right for you. Shop blinds.com right now. Save up to 40% site-wide. That's 40% off everything site-wide at blinds.com. When you check out online, don't forget to tell them you heard about blinds.com from the Ben Shapiro Show. Rules and restrictions may apply. You can pay over time with PayPal credit at blinds.com. PayPal credit is subject to credit approval. Visit blinds.com slash PayPal for details. Okay, meanwhile, the Biden White House continues to struggle. The 2020 polls look just awful for Joe Biden. And they have another problem, which is that the president is a walking corpse. And everyone knows this. The president of the United States, every night at about 4.30 p.m., they feed him a dinner from Denny's. They put a uh, matlock rerun on for him. He falls asleep in his chair. And then they wheel him into the crypt and the door closes. And then, you know, every once every couple of months, they bring him out and they prop his body up on Jimmy Kimmel's couch. And Jimmy Kimmel talks to the body. And Joe Biden puts on his rictus grin. And then he goes back into the crypt and then we all pretend that that he's doing a great job if we are in the legacy media. Well, this provides sort of a problem because if you're trying to mobilize the American public, if you're trying to change hearts and minds, a, a corpse is a bad way to do it. And it see, the thing about El Cid, when you, when you prop a corpse up on a horse to go into battle, is that, that that corpse better have like an enormous amount of goodwill built up because they ain't building up goodwill being dead. And And... Joe Biden does not have an enormous amount of goodwill to spare at this point, considering that his approval ratings are down in the 30s. So what does that mean? It means you got to find somebody else to promote the message. And it can't be Kamala Harris because she is, as we have said, awful at this. Kamala Harris may be the worst single politician on a large stage in the United States in modern American history. She makes Hillary Clinton look like an absolutely charming, wonderful, magnetic human being, Kamala Harris. And so what are they going to do? They can't they can't throw Joe Biden out there. Because again, if you, if you prop him up at a 90 degree angle, there's a fairly good shot that he goes down like at a 180 degree angle. And Kamala Harris is pathologically incapable of saying anything sincere. She has a smugness on, on her face is just beyond compare. So what do you do? What do you, well, you go find a popular actor and you have him talk about gun control. So the White House last week, they, they tried to bring in a K-pop band to talk about anti-Asian discrimination in an attempt presumably to get young Asian voters to vote for an old white man who's no longer alive. And now they're bringing in Matthew McConaughey. Now, Matthew McConaughey seems like a nice guy. I got nothing against Matthew McConaughey. I'm, I'm just wondering why Matthew McConaughey? Like, I, I why? now they say it's because he's from Uvalde, Texas. Okay, fine. Well, so are presumably tens of thousands of other people over the course of the last several decades. Why Matthew? The, the reason is because Matthew McConaughey is a, is a popular actor. Now, here's the thing. That doesn't translate over into politics. It just doesn't. There are a lot of, people who have sort of popular followings in the acting community. And it does not translate over into, we now support your political agenda. Democrats seem to make this mistake an awful lot. And I'm not sure why. They seem to believe that if they grab a bunch of celebrities and put them on stage at the 2020 convention, for example, that magically this translates into popularity. Most famously, they did this in 2016 with Hillary Clinton, where they had an utterly stone-faced, char charmless candidate. And they tried to kind of stick and move around the edges by bringing in Katy Perry and Elizabeth Banks and all of these celebrities. So now 
the, the Biden administration is trying to do the same because I guess you, you work with what you got. So they bring in Matthew McConaughey to lecture Americans on gun control. And it's not particularly convincing. It's not particularly compelling other than the weird sight of watching a person who probably will play the president at some point actually standing in front of an actual White House emblem behind him. It's very weird to bring in actors. It just, something strikes me as wrong about an administration where the president of the United States can't sit for an interview with anyone other than Jimmy Kimmel. So you have a president doing late night talk shows and you have an actor doing White House press conferences. That seems very odd to me. It just seems weird. Again, this is nothing against Matthew McConaughey, who again, seems like a nice person, even if I disagree with him on gun control. But the fact that the White House is bringing Matthew McConaughey to do the press run for this in an attempt to gin up support for Joe Biden's various proposals is very strange. So here is Matthew McConaughey from the White House press room for no reason other than he's very famous and people like his movies. The Valley is where I learned to master a, a, a Daisy BB gun. I took That took two years before I graduated to a 410 shotgun. Uvalde is where I was taught to revere the power and the capability of the tool that we call a gun. Uvalde is where I learned responsible gun ownership. Okay, and thus, and the, like, again, loved you in Interstellar, have no idea why you're here. And then he continued by, by talking about the Second Amendment, and, and all of this is just, Hollywood, understand, Hollywood, the media, the Democratic Party, they are all one body. They're, they are all just one osmosis-ridden body. And so if you don't have popularity over here, you squeeze the balloon, and I get some Hollywood actors over here. And if that doesn't work, then the media come in and they prop up the actor. So here's Matthew McConaughey doing some more of this. Responsible gun owners are fed up with the Second Amendment being abused and hijacked by some deranged individuals. These regulations are not a step back. They're a step forward for a civil society and, and the Second Amendment. Um, again, like, I don't know why I'm being lectured by the all right, all right, all right guy. Like, it's, it's, it's fine. Not like if an actor gets invited to the White House to talk about this stuff, I wouldn't expect him to turn it down. I mean, it's like a, a fun, great opportunity for him. And if not fun, then at least meaningful. Okay, fine. Fine. But why is the Biden White House is so pathetic that they are now going to the guy from Sahara and they're like, can you come talk about gun control to try to get somebody interested in this? Because the old man is back there sleeping it off. And then McConaughey says it's time to raise the age to purchase an AR-15. He calls this reasonable, practical, tactical, et cetera. We need background checks. We need to raise the minimum age to purchase an AR-15 rifle to 21. We need a waiting period for those rifles. We need red flag laws and consequences for those who abuse them. These are reasonable, practical, tactical regulations to our nation, states, communities, schools, and homes. I'm not sure why dazed and confused guy is, is lecturing us, but I guess that at a certain point, if the Hollywood of it isn't going to make things happen, you can just go over to MSNBC and they'll try to prop all of this up by pretending that anyone who opposes Joe Biden's gun control agenda is in favor of domestic abuse. If Mr. Whitfield's mother was killed by foreign terrorists, the Democrats and the Republicans on the committee would be promising him the moon. Um, what is, I mean, is it as obvious as it seems that 
domestic violent extremists are an important part of the voting coalition on the right? I mean, what is the structural impediment to pardoning the homeland against domestic violent extremism? I'm sorry. It's just, it's so pathetic. It's so pathetic. Now, here's the thing. None of this is going to work. The reason none of this is going to work is because the American people are still looking at the economy right now, and they're looking at Joe Biden's actual policy right now, and they're realizing that it's really, really bad. Janet Yellen, who is the Treasury Secretary after presiding over the Fed, she's now admitting that inflation is persistent. She's now admitting that it's not going anywhere. According to the Wall Street Journal, she warned that the United States is likely facing a prolonged period of elevated inflation. The World Bank sharply lowered global growth forecasts and flagged a risk of recession in many countries. Yellen said the White House would likely rise upward its U.S. inflation forecast, which already showed prices rising this year nearly twice the pre-pandemic rate. She said, I expect inflation to remain high, although I very much hope it will be coming down now. She says the numbers aren't locked in, but it's likely to be higher than the initial 4.7% forecast. Well, originally, the White House had suggested that inflation would average 4.7% this year. It's above 8% like every month on an annualized basis this year. So things are going very, very poorly for Jenny. Like at a certain point when the expert predictions suck this much, maybe they're not experts. Maybe they're just really, really bad at this. Speaking of which, they just keep doubling. So first of all, Janet Yellen, she just won't answer questions about inflation anymore. She doesn't even want to. She was asked questions as she was walking away from this hearing. Just brushes right on by. Secretary Yellen, if you admit that you are wrong about inflation being temporary, how can you be confident that government spending is not the cause of inflation? Heading to the car right now. Did you ever warn the White House that increased government spending could have contributed to the inflation that we're seeing today? We're just heading to the car. Thank you very much. Okay, well, there she goes. The Treasury Secretary Janet Proudfoot. I mean, it's just a member of the Proud Feet family. She's, she's, it's, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing that the Treasury Secretary has been wrong about pretty much everything. And yet she continues to maintain, for example, that we need to spend more money. Even the New York Times has a piece today titled Yellen Defends Pandemic Spending as Inflation Persists. The Treasury Secretary's recent comments about rising prices have put the Biden administration on the defensive. Yes, it turns out that when you acknowledge that inflation is now a permanent feature of American life, and yet you also continue to maintain that it's time to spend more money. Well, it, those things are in conflict. So she, she's done a terrible job and yet she remains in control. By the way, how terrible is the job that she's doing? She's doing such a terrible job that her answer to high gas prices right now is that we need to invest in green energy. Again, this is the Biden administration's answer. So just to get this straight, you're spending $5 a gallon on average in the United States right now. The answer to this is to pour money into Chinese solar panels. Brilliant, brilliant stuff here from Janet Yellen what Congress can do and what the Biden administration would like to see is um, investments in programs like lowering prescription drug costs, investing in clean energy and renewables that would free our dependence on uh, global oil markets, which are subject to geopolitical risk and could bring down utility bills, affordable housing, uh, help for uh, childcare expenses that would um, enable higher labor force participation. This is all so disconnected from reality, but the entire Biden administration is disconnected from reality. And for example, Senator Debbie Stabenow, I understand she's not a member of the White House, but she is a Democratic senator from a from a, a industrial state. Debbie Stabenow 
She says, you know what? I don't even care about gas prices because I passed a bunch of gas stations on the way here driving my electric vehicle. Well, good for you, Debbie. But how about the hundreds of millions of Americans who can't afford a $100,000 Tesla? I do have to say just on the issue of uh, uh, gas prices after waiting for a long time uh, to have enough chips in this country to finally get my electric vehicle. I got it uh, and drove it from Michigan to here uh, this last weekend and went by every single gas station and didn't matter how high it was. And so I'm looking forward to the opportunity for us to move to vehicles that aren't going to be dependent on the um, whims of the oil companies and the uh, international markets. It's, it's, it's just such a, isn't it an opportunity? It's an opportunity for you to pay $100 every time you fill up your gas tank because eventually in 10 years, you might be able to afford an electric vehicle. Sure, you'll be bankrupt and have no money by then. You won't have a job, but you know at least then Debbie Stabenow, she, she'll have like a Gen 3 electric vehicle by that point and that'll be totally fine. So the Democrats' plan here is to just whistle past the graveyard. We'll get to that in a moment. First, peak home buying season is in full swing. Many home buyers are wondering, where is this housing market going exactly? Well, actually, now is a pretty good time to buy, especially when you work with American Financing America's Home for Home Loans. They can help you lock into a competitive rate right now while allowing you 120 days to shop for your new home, which is actually a really good deal because, again, those rates are going up and the prices are going down. So if you can get a competitive rate now and then you still have 120 days to shop for your new home, that is amazing. That way you don't have to worry about rates rising. You can expect to get a custom loan and fast closing. Plus, you're not going to have to pay upfront or hidden fees. It is worth the 10-minute phone call to learn more. What exactly do you have to lose? Especially since home values are looking really good right now. Many markets are up 20% or more. That means your investment will pay off quickly, setting you up for a very healthy future. Learn more today with a free loan consultation at 866-721-3300. That's 866-721-3300. Or visit AmericanFinancing.net, MLS 182-334, and MLSConsumerAccess.org. Again, go check them out today at 866-721-3300 or visit AmericanFinancing.net. Well, folks, what is one massive success? Massive, massive success. We gained more subscribers the day of the premiere than any other day in Daily Wire history. We've gained hundreds of thousands of subscribers just to watch Matt's new movie. This film became the number one most popular movie at home on Rotten Tomatoes as of last night. It still has no reviews because nobody on the left will actually review it because after all, why should they be forced to exit their massively comfortable bubble? This topic is more important now than ever because of course, we have to protect women and protect children. Women should not have to fight men in a boxing ring. And children should not be dragged to gender orientation seminars at drag bars. Like, why are these things even remotely controversial? Because we have lost our mind. What is a woman is fighting back. It is leading the conversation. We're changing that gender ideology conversation itself. We're fighting back in the culture. That's what we do here at Daily Wire. Without your support, none of this would be possible. All this stuff is really expensive. You are the people who make it possible. And a lot of people, they have outside funding. A lot of people have hundreds of millions, billions of dollars at their disposal from public markets in order to do this. We don't do that. We need your help. That's why your membership matters to us. So from us here at The Daily Wire to you, thank you so much if you've already subscribed. If you haven't, let me remind you that Terror on the Prairie is coming next week, less than a week away from the full uncanceling of Gina Carano. You remember when Hollywood and Disney tried to cancel Gina Carano? Remember that? Because she tweeted something that was pretty uncontroversial, but she also happens to be conservative, so they just decided to fire her from The Mandalorian. Well, two days after Gina was canceled, Daily Wire uncanceled her by announcing she'd be starring and producing our next original film. Well, that film is about to come out, and it is a blockbuster. It is awesome. We proved they can't cancel us if we don't let them. So go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Join us, get exclusive access to our entire library of content, and get ready for the blockbuster awesome Western that is Terror on the Prairie, starring the revitalized Gina Carano. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. 
so given the fact that the economy is in really dire trouble and the fact that Joe Biden's plans are really bad, by the way, how bad are Joe Biden's plans? According to the Wall Street Journal, Joe Biden's plan here is to raise taxes dramatically. So you're in the middle of a, of a teetering economy in which businesses are pulling money out of their investments because of the inflation. And your idea is to raise taxes? This is your idea? According to the Wall Street Journal, appearing before the Senate Finance Committee on Tuesday, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen talked about Joe Biden's fiscal 2023 budget proposal and his plans to raise taxes on businesses and individuals. The goal, said Yellen, is to build a fair and stable tax system. What's most striking about the Biden tax agenda is not its fairness or its stability, but its sheer size. The tax foundations, Erica York and Garrett Watson, write today, quote, combined with the tax increases in the Build Back Better Act, which the budget assumes becomes law, Biden would raise revenues by $4 trillion on a gross basis over the next decade. How big is the planned tax hike on a net basis? There are a raft of new tax credits in the Biden plan, including a range of green energy credits totaling about $300 billion, even accounting for all of them. The president's desired tax increase is still massive. It's about $3.5 trillion tax increase over the next decade. According to the Tax Foundation, by the way, the tax increases in Build Back Better alone would reduce long-run GDP by 0.5%. The tax increases in the budget, including a higher corporate tax rate of 28%, up from 21%, and international tax changes would discourage domestic investment, reduce the productive capacity of the United States, Raising the corporate tax rate to 28% would reduce long-run GDP by 0.7% and eliminate 138,000 jobs. This is Joe Biden's actual plan. So what is their plan for getting around all of this? Well, the answer is that they are just going to ignore it. They're going to pretend that none of it is actually happening. You know, it's Their failure to launch is just going to be a complete and utter... It's... it's, it's, it's an, all right, here we go. So here's Karen Jean-Pierre. She's the press secretary of the United States. She says, actually, you're getting it all wrong. The economy is better than it ever has been. It's, it's, it, we're doing great, actually. I, I know that you think we're not doing great, but we actually are doing amazing. What we're trying to say, what I'm trying to say to you is that the economy is in a better place than it has been historically. And so we feel here at this administration and other experts as well is that we feel that we are in a good position to take on inflation. We are in a good position to really start uh, really working on uh, lowering prices. Her serenity in the face of this sort of insanity is really, I mean, I, I will give her credit for that. I'll give her credit for that. She, she, she's out there preaching that everything is just going fine. It's just everything is good, man. What, what are you so worried about? So she was asked, um, so why, if things are so great, why are Americans so sour on the economy? She has no idea. It's just, it's, it's all a mystery. It's just a mystery. 61% are saying now in this Wall Street Journal poll, they're generally pessimistic about people having an opportunity to achieve the American dream. How's that going to look on a, so on a bumper sticker? I guess sticker? What, I'm, what I'm trying to say, Peter, is that we understand that people are feeling feeling this. They are feeling uh, the increase of prices, uh, which with food in particular right now and gas. That is that is something that we understand. Oh, you understand it, do you? Well, then, then I guess everything is totally fine. If, if you understand it, but also the economy is better than it ever has been historically. So I guess what you're saying is the American people are stupid. That's what you're saying. Well, in the end, Karine Jean-Pierre has the real answer, which is she's just going to walk away from the podium. That's it. Obviously, she doesn't really have answers to this sort of stuff because how can she answer it? Obviously, it's Joe Biden's fault. Obviously, it's this administration's fault. But I guess when you just walk away from the podium, everything is totally fine. Catch you later. Can you take some on the economy? Well, bye.
<laughs> that is the solution. By, by the way, this is also the solution of the rest of the administration. So they are simultaneously saying that Joe Biden is going to bed thinking about gas prices. It's all he cares about. He cares about the gas price. He cares about what you're experiencing. Also, he can't do anything about it. These two conflicting messages were put out yesterday by the Energy Secretary, Jennifer Granholm, and the Commerce Secretary, Gina Raimondo. Remember, they are part of the same administration. Here is the Energy Secretary, Jennifer Granholm. She says, Joe Biden is, he is just granularly concerned about your gas prices. He, all he cares about, all he cares about is this stuff for you. It's the most important thing. Here we go. Is there anything the White House can do near term? You've already done the you know, strategic petroleum reserve. What about a gas tax holiday? Would that help? Yeah, I mean, let me just say that the president is going to bed at night thinking about this and waking up and asking for all good ideas, uh, including looking at gas tax, looking at everything possible. Oh, he's, he's looking at everything. Well, there's bad news, though. The Commerce Secretary says he can't do anything. So uh, which is it? Is he is he in control and he's going to fix the problem or is he standing over here on the side being dead? What is actually still on the table, though, to bring gas prices down at this point? Because the president has said and made very clear that there's not much left that he can do. Unfortunately, that is the brutal reality. Uh, you know, this is in large part caused by Putin's aggression. You know, since Putin moved troops to the border of Ukraine, gas prices have gone up over a dollar forty a gallon. And the president is asking for Congress and others for potential ideas. But as you say, the reality is uh, that there isn't very much more to be done. Uh, there you have it. Two for the money. Two secretaries both saying conflicting things in direct opposition to one another. One is Joe Biden is granularly focused on solutions. And the other is, nope, he can't do anything at all. It is all a giant mystery. There's there's nothing that, sorry, there's nothing. He's basically, one is like, he's a gentleman solving all of our problems. The other is that he's a beach bum. Yeah, search for the Easter eggs, guys. There's a lot of Easter eggs in this show. Matthew McConaughey Easter eggs. I'm just going to give that away. See how many you can spot. The bottom line here for the Democrats is that they are in serious trouble, which of course is why, once again, they're going to fall back on the January 6th narrative. And the media are, are doing their dirty work for them. It really is amazing. So the Washington Post has an entire editorial basically saying, ignore the GOP spin. The nation still hasn't reckoned with January 6th. Have we not, though? I mean, it seems as though the guy who's president is not president and that he was impeached a second time over it, I noticed, even though he had like five minutes to go as president of the United States, the only president in American history twice impeached. And um, I, I seem to recall that there have been some prosecutions and a lot of people are in jail now for having invaded the Capitol building and tried to do harm to police officers. And I noticed there's some new charges against the Proud Boys. But apparently, according to the Washington Post, you know, the, the narrative is not complete until we hear the Democrats do a big piece of propaganda that's supposed to shift the election. Quote, the House committee probing the January 6th, 2021 Capitol attack will begin public hearings on Thursday, reviewing the evidence it has gathered over 11 months of investigating, including firsthand testimony and information about President Donald Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. Expect leading Republicans to argue that a committee is a partisan panel dedicated to harming Mr. Trump. Well, I mean, that, that is what this is. And that Americans should disregard the liberal threat that manifested in the January 6th riot his supporters perpetrated. That would be a tragedy all on its own. Well, no. What if we actually are concerned about January 6th and the security protocols, and we think that a lot of the things that President Trump said were untrue, and we think that people should not have believed them? What if we believe all that, but also understand that the Democrats are attempting to use this as an electoral ploy? Because that's what this is. And once again, it is not going to work. It is fool's gold for them. It is going nowhere. They can try it, but... Guess what? The ratings 
tomorrow night are going to be abysmal for this because everybody was there. We all remember it. It's like doing a TV special about the uh, about last uh, about the Matthew McConaughey press conference from today. You can't do a TV special about it. It just happened. We were there. So if you're really going to bank your election prospects on all of us, those prospects look like mud. All righty. We'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content coming up soon is the Matt Wall Show airing at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Bradford Carrington, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover, production manager Pavel Wydowski, associate producer Savannah Dominguez-Morris, editor Adam Saievitz, audio mixer Mike Coromina, hair and makeup artist and wardrobe Fabiola Cristina, production coordinator Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on The Matt Wall Show, it's not enough to tolerate, accept, or even celebrate. The LGBT left demands that you participate, which is why some Major League Baseball players are getting backlash for not wearing an LGBT pride flag on their uniforms. We'll discuss also a lawmaker in California now says he wants drag to be a mandatory curriculum requirement for children in school. These groomer freaks are officially out of control. And a Hollywood actor gives a speech about guns during the White House press briefing. For some reason, plus the leftist DA of San Francisco is recalled for turning his city into a crime-plagued wasteland. But will liberal voters actually learn their lesson? I, I tend to doubt it. We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Hey, 